On tonight's episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, we'll be treading softly and carrying a big stick. For this installment of Hops and Rock Bottom Flops, we'll be reviewing the painfully forgettable Walking Tall. This is the one with Johnny Knoxville, not the Sean William Scott one. Everybody get your favorite piece of lumber ready and watch out for splinters. This is going to be a rough one. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. back and thank you for joining us on the 112th episode of hops and box office flops presented by wobam entertainment we are the google web's premier podcast dedicated to mostly bad films and usually good beers tonight as the third installment in our hops and rock bottom flop series we'll be talking about 2004's reboot of the 1973 sleeper hit walking tall the original made over 40 million dollars on a budget of just over half a million dollars The reboot was nowhere near as successful. Joining me on tonight's pod is my loyal deputy, the Thunderous Wizard. Your Honor, is it okay if I defend myself? No, moron. Sit down. That's not how how courtroom (laughs) works. Objection. Denied. No, uh, anyway. uh, Yeah, and as always, joining us tonight is also our resident lumber and loaded dice expert, Mayor McCheese. I grew up in this town. People used to walk tall in this town. They wouldn't have traded the mill for a crooked casino. Yep, because nothing ever goes down funky in a lumber mill. No, oh my God, we're gonna, totally on We're going to spend a decent amount of time in that goddamn uh, courtroom scene, aren't we? I do have a question about that later. <laughs> and as always, listener, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. And anywhere you can download or stream your finer podcasts. You can find me discussing the finer points of woodworking on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Gentlemen, where can they find you on the socials? Uh, I am always at HBOF McCheese, and I had to uh, throttle down the wood comments after uh, I got a couple complaints. Hmm. Uh Instead, you know, when I'm not buying a regular baseball bat, you can find me fashioning a two by four <laughs> into, into a silly looking cudgel. But wait, how do we not get a montage of him taking that rough cut lumber and making it into his beaten stick? It's a huge missed opportunity that we don't get a montage <laughs> with him making his version of Wonder Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, this does not come up. Well, it does come up later, so I'm going to leave it alone. Actually, I caught myself. Excellent work there, Shumzilla. And don't forget, you can check out Wobam Entertainment at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram for all the lumber enthusiast content you can handle. We might Uh, want to put a disclaimer in here that it's mostly not lumber related at all. Just in case. Only if you want it to be that way. I, I don't want a random Ron Swanson type to start twittering us and saying, like, you said there was going to be wood talk. Hey, you know what? After we got that uh, Greco bot, I think it's all on the table. That's true. Guys, I was there for the patio and deck uh, discourse, and I found none. So 
You lied. Uh, also, you can find me at Writer TLK, where I'm walking Although, tall, always will, on Twitter. <laughs> I will say, if we can trick one woodworking enthusiast into watching this movie, thinking it's a woodworking movie, then that may be a win. Oh, we'll definitely get some emails about that, because somebody is going to be very disappointed. This movie doesn't have any behind-the-scenes issues or juicy drama. It's just a paint-by-the-numbers action movie that's a soft reboot of a 70s hit that stars an up-and-coming early aughts professional wrestler, The Rock, and produced by Vince McMahon. Its biggest sin is pretty much the financial outcome. The 2000 version of Walking Tall barely out-earned the 1973 version. Why is McMahon involved in this? Does T-Dubs, you might know better because you're the wrestling guy, but what's his purpose here? I'm, this is just this is just an assumption, but I'm imagining The Rock was still partially under contract. When, so whatever deal they made with his agent involved him getting a producer credit on some movies. And then they dabbled in movies for a while as well. And they're not good for yeah. the most part. Um, um, let's not say what's what, it. What was, what was, yeah, what's the one you guys did on the pod earlier, Thunder's Wizard? Uh, wasn't that a WWE Productions? The one with uh, my lookalike in it. Oh no, that's a that was a WCW movie, but oh okay, but yeah. again, it was financially backed by professional re- yeah. professional wrestling. But you know, what is yeah. the, our cat? Yeah. yeah. What is the first WWE movie? Does anyone know the first one? Yeah. Like, that was oh. produced by the WWE. Well, I mean, there's the Marines, there's... Uh... Suburban Commando? <laughs> yeah, he wrote that with Hulk Hogan. So they must, they they produced that. Uh... Also, shout out to earlier Hops and Box Office flop Pods. Uh, the Suburban Commando episode, I believe, remains the top downloaded episode of all time. Oh, that, they didn't co-write that. So he might have produced that, but he co-wrote uh, No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan in a weekend. Vince McMahon. Thunderlips. <laughs> yeah. Thunderlips, he actually got fired by Vince McMahon Sr. for taking that role. And then, of course, Vince brought him back and he became one of the biggest stars of all time. But Vince McMahon Sr. did not want him to take that job because he oh, thought wait, it'd make him too yeah, big. I think to answer your general question here. No, no, no. I, think I, I actually, hold on. I, I just, I, I Wikipedia it. And they, uh, on Wikipedia's wwe studios page they are listing their first movie as the rundown and it was first theatrical film released as a wwe film it says by universal yeah i can't imagine they were that involved in that peter berg directed it um i'm I'm sure they fronted some money but the movie's way too good for them to have had much of a hand (laughs) yeah and that's the basic answer here mccheese is that vince mcmahon unlike his old man saw the value in getting into the production game and they saw the money in these movie properties and it's cross-promotional it's way to uh not only use the star power they've generated with the wrestlers to make money but also to elevate the uh profile of their uh superstars so i think it was kind of a a back and forth uh, symbiotic relationship there yeah, they're also yeah. listing this, but I guess the first one that probably makes sense is in 2006, See No Evil with Kane. Yeah, I was going to mention, I couldn't think of the name of it, but there's that horror movie with Kane, and I'm pretty sure that Where, was also yeah, WWE, they were WWE ex- production. explicitly running the entire show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's one. That's, you shouldn't miss that one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, good night. It's a movie.
It's called See No Evil, so if you don't yep. see it, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, so that definitely brings us to beer. And for tonight's pod, we're continuing not to observe no IPA May, and we're going with Athens, Georgia-based Terrapin Brewing Co.'s Luau Pog IPA. That's P-O-G IPA. Uh, I selected this beer because of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, Polynesian roots, and he also attended high school in Hawaii. And this is a Hawaiian-style fruity, juicy IPA that checks in with a decent ABV of 6.5% and 72 IBUs. Uh, it pours a hazy golden color with not a lot of head. And I like it because it's a nice balance uh, of fruity notes and the tropical notes along with uh, a decent amount of hops. Uh, it, you know, the POG stands for passion fruit, orange, and guava. You definitely taste the orange, and I even get a bit of pineapple with it. Um, I would, myself personally, would describe this as a breakfast IPA. It tastes like boozy, hoppy orange juice, but in a good way. Uh, not like some of the other juicy IPAs we've done. It's one of my favorites uh, of that variety. Um, so I would give this two bad movies. Uh, it's just a tad too sweet for me to get the full three. And sadly, because it's a local Georgia beer, I don't think anybody else could get it. But anyway, cheers. I like it. And I would definitely sit through a couple movies with it. I Yeah, we, we none of us can get it. But I do want to throw out a golfer's clap for you uh, explaining how Pog was spelled. That way, no one got confused on the R-rated version. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is... You mean you mean the collectible cardboard discs from the nineties? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did yeah. this Sorry. beer come with no. a slammer? It, you know, <laughs> it should. Um, I'm, sadly, it does not, but it definitely should. And I, you know, I've had this for a while now, and <clears throat> I have to admit, it is a interesting, uh, juicy IPA. And if you do come across it, definitely recommend checking it out. But anyway, let's get on to the uh, tale of the tape here for Walking Tall. It was released in April of two thousand and four. And that means this movie had to compete with The Punisher, hey there, TJ, Man on Fire, I think that was a Denzel Washington movie, right? Uh, Hellboy and Mean Girls. One of those is a huge hit. Well, Man on Fire was a pretty big hit, too, if I recall. That is with Denzel. Uh, Punisher, not so much, because we did it on the pod. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's see, didn't Man on Fire essentially spin off two other Denzel movies where he does the same thing, but they give it a different title. Uh, he's not the same character, obviously, because spoiler alert, man on fire. No, it's just, it's, end well for him, but yeah, like the equalizer. That's the one. Decided, yeah, it's a man. You know. It's a dude with a special set of skills who doesn't like uh, bad things happening to good people. And he gets revenge, which yeah, I think is the same exact thing as man on fire, which the, the only thing I remember from movies where he, is that the movie where he puts the bomb up the dude's butt and then he's like, I wish you had more time and blows him up? Yes, that's it. All right. That's, yeah. That that's man's colon was on fire. Yeah. And well, yeah. Wrecked a lot. Wrecked him. Damn near killed him. That's what he said to Mark <laughs> Anthony. Ah, ah, Did you find my ah, daughter? No, but wow. I found this guy. Wrecked him. Damn near killed him. Yeah. I feel oh, like boy. we should be doing Joker laughs. I feel like we let that go too soon. Yeah. No, we should bring that back. Okay, good. So, we'll do that now. and heading into the summer, if this movie had grown any legs, which it didn't, it would have had to face off with the likes of Spider-Man 2, Shrek 2, and The Chronicles of Riddick. But probably most importantly, it would have also had to 
face off against the smash international hit white chicks oh god we're gonna talk about white chicks again this movie has about as much legs as chris helmsworth currently oh wow topical i'm just saying yeah uh, shots shots fired don't skip leg day bro the rock fears vin diesel diesel owns you rock he lives his life one movie at a time yeah hashtag (laughs) team diesel yeah, I'm just saying, if I had to pick between watching Walking Tall for the rest of my life or The Chronicles of Riddick, it's Chronicles of Riddick in a heartbeat. Mm, that's a good question. I'd probably, yeah, I'd go with the same. Yeah, I mean, one's got Judy Dench and one doesn't. I mean, I wonder if you question. lined up their, I wonder if you lined up their catalog side by side and had to say, all right, these are the only things you can watch for the rest of your life. Which one are you taking? I'm probably still taking Diesel just because of all the fast movies. Uh, well. Diesel has more fast movies, but Rock's in the better ones. But Diesel has Boiler Room. And Diesel also has Oscar-nominated shortlist Bloodshot. So, Yeah. Well, he also oh, has Saving Private Ryan. Private Ryan, yeah. Yeah, we're doing Diesel. Diesel definitely has a... Somehow he has a better uh, catalog than The Rock. As soon as The Rock sneaks into a Saving Private Ryan or a Bloodshot, and that might turn the tables... But uh, anyway, let's get back to Walking Tall. The runtime is a mercifully short and succinct 86 minutes. I swear, if this movie was 15 minutes longer, it would have totally fallen apart. No, I appreciate uh, that it was an hour and 15. Like, it ended, and I was like, oh, that's the perfect length for this uh, much crap. I, spoiler alert, it fell apart without the extra 15 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, fair. Uh, it would have, yeah. It would have disintegrated into nothingness had it gone on a second longer. Uh, the box office performance, as we mentioned, was not great. The worldwide box office total was $57.2 million on a budget of about 46. There wasn't a ton of marketing behind this movie, which probably helped some, but there's absolutely no way this movie made any money. And I would even argue, if we could see the true numbers, it probably struggled to even break even uh, with the help of the home video market. So here's my question. Vince McMahon's involved. WWE is somewhat involved. Hacksaw Jim Duggan was a character. How do you not tie in marketing into wrestling events and give out fake walking tall sticks to the crowd? I, foam that's, sticks. Yeah, that sells that, itself. And never forget the 80s music video Pile Driver, where they're all working on like a construction site. And it's like, <laughs> how is that song not in here when they're fighting in the mill? I <laughs> Pile Driver. It, it writes itself. Vince, you've got the catalog. And, and it's the cheapest version of marketing. You have a captive audience. You're giving them a 10 cent foam wooden stick with the movie's information written down the side. And then they'll probably go see it, but instead they did, they opted for the don't market it at all strategy. I think if you could travel back in time, McCheese, and pitch this idea to Vince McMahon, he might give you ten bucks. <laughs> he would that, he would steal it and pay me nothing. Yeah, that actually sounds <laughs> typical, like it would work. Typical McMahon fashion. And I would argue too that <clears throat> this has the same problem that a, lot, a couple of the other movies early in The Rock's career have. Like Doom, for example, The Rock wasn't a babyface in the WWE. He was a bit of a heel, a soft heel, if I recall correctly, but still a heel. 
So he wasn't the hero. So I still think it was weird that they were marketing him as the good guy uh, in this movie because he he wasn't that didn't match up with his wrestling persona. And let's be also be very clear here. He was billed in this film as The Rock. This is not Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Dwayne Johnson. This is just The, the Rock. rock. Uh, well, I think his first almost 10 movies from what I'm reading on Wikipedia, they billed him as The Rock. They, yeah, that's how yeah. they pitched it. See, early Rock was a straight baby face. He was the Rocky Maivia character, which was basically combining the gimmicks of his grandfather and his father. And everybody hated him. And they would chant, die, Rocky, die. And then that's he joined pretty, the Nation of Domination. Yeah, even for wrestling fans. <laughs> he joined the Nation of Domination and became the cool... He was a heel, but people loved him. So, you know, he was he was the anti-hero. He was like Stone Cold. And, you know, he kind of went back and forth. But really, the primary gimmick was he was too cool for school. He'd tell people that, you know, he was going to shine it up and stick it straight up their candy ass. And Rudy Pooh, this, that, and the other. And Smackdown Hotel, like... So, yeah, he wasn't this type of character. This falls much yeah. more in line with your straight face, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, clean cut, whatever. A.K.A. John Cena. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think... It, do you have a question at the end here on how to fix this? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Okay, because I, I think I just had a revelation of all you got to do is switch two people, and this movie might be fantastic. I know. If say, you make, I'm going to make... McDonough, the good guy, and the rock. No, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save mine. <laughs> I'm gonna save mine for after the plot. Uh, I, I'll just tell you mine right now. McDonough needs to be played by Vince McMahon, or Shane McMahon, and he needs to come out of the office at the at the uh, crappy casino doing the McMahon strut. Take him to the back, boys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I, works. I would, that works. I'd like McDonough better as Shane McMahon because growing up, I always like. I hated Shane McMahon. And like, I feel like we're dipping in. Like, I feel like the double turn guy should have been on this. Like we're dipping way into wrestling. But every time Shane McMahon walked out with his happy ass, I'd be like, oh, my God, I hate this guy. And that's part of the problem in this movie is that the cheese factor is just on the wrong side of what works in a serious movie. It is cranked up to 110, particularly the football scene. But you're right. Shane McMahon's theme song was Here Comes the Money. And that's perfect for McDonough. He's just walking the floor in Shane McMahon's Jordans and jumpsuit. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting too far ahead into the plot, but I want to say it now before I forget it. How they managed to pull off that football scene without playing that song, that, oh, oh playing with the boys over in the background is crime. I'm surprised we didn't get Rock and Roll Part 2 or whatever that Gary Glitter song is. That would have totally worked as well. I, well, that, I think this is, I think 2004 is before everyone found out correct. he was a kid toucher. That, it would have still been okay back then. Yes, it would have been okay back then. Not okay now. Nope, not okay at all. Not okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so this is, let's just be honest here. Again, we've already pointed out the fact this is basically a star vehicle for a professional wrestler produced by Vince McMahon. This was not going to be a critic-friendly movie from Jump Street, and uh, the critic scores reflect that. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 26%. With a user score higher at 60, I'm not shocked that it's higher, but 60 seems a little high. That, that seems odd. That's yeah, we aggressive. Gotta, we got to bump that way down. Yeah. Yeah, too high. I mean, I think 50% would be fair, but anything more than that is definitely questionable. 
And Metacritic has it at a 44 with a user score of 7.2. Um, yeah, I think The Rock must have a lot of fans. So that might be some uh, current day bias, but I don't think this was very well received at the time of release by critics or fans because it didn't make much money. And the reason this is not a critic-friendly movie, aside from the professional wrestling angle, is that it's just a basic vigilante slash uh, revenge flick starring a guy billed as The Rock. This was never going to be Oscar material. Where you can find it, you can find it on most of your streaming services for $3.99. And of course, you can stream the shitty sequel starring Kevin Sorbo for free on Amazon. Fuck you, Kevin. Isn't, isn't there two Sorbo sequels? Yes, that is sequels plural. There are two. So really the it, worst thing that The Rock has ever given us is sequels to his bad movie starring Kevin Sorbo. Thanks a lot, Dwayne. I think yeah. I want it in the public ether that TW, the Thunder's Wizard, is a huge Kevin Sorbo fan. No, I hate Kevin Sorbo and I hate <laughs> Dean Kane. <laughs> don't like either of them. When they harassed me at Cleveland Comic Con about being a fan of Batman versus Superman, it's like, listen, both of you are two right-wing nutbags. Don't tell me about my choice in movies, all right? The biggest fan of yeah. Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, let's be clear here. Kevin Sorbo and Dean Cain are not fans of the pod. That's just that's just facts, folks. I don't think this is ever going to get to them, so I don't think it matters. Well, you never know. I mean, I'm assuming they both have a lot of free time. But anyway... All right, let's talk about the director and cast. This was directed by Kevin Bray. Not a lot of movie credits for Bray, but he's been a prolific music video. Uh, Jessica Simpson, J-Lo, Celine Dion, and TV Empire Blackish Suits director. Well, the music video background would definitely explain the dance scene at the club, which has far too many cuts back and forth <laughs> from The Rock to uh, his paramour, as it were. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, you know anything that happens in that casino is questionable, and How, that that's up there on the list. But I'm not even sure if that's top three in terms of what goes on in that casino. How is um, Kevin Bray not the fake alter ego name for Michael Bay, where he tries to like make new work, and if it sucks, he's just like, "Oh, that was Kevin Bray's. That that wasn't me." I'm going to venture a guess that there's some sort of weird fraternity between these guys. You got like Michael Bay, Peter Berg, Kevin Bray. They'll hang out, you know. I'm just saying that that might be why why these ideas seem to be so uh, <clears throat> consistent across these shitty action movies. Yeah, of keep the running. Era. Let's go. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> starring of course is The Rock as Chris Vaughn, Neil Raindrops McDonough as Jay Hamilton. Welcome back to the pod, Kevin. I was in Primal Durand as Booth. Also, welcome back to the pod. Literally, Actually, the, second, the second he showed up on the screen, for, I, for an instant, and I was texting Chumpy about this, I thought it was Portman from the last movie. I was like, yeah. another creepo. Oh, it's not Portman. <laughs> He's slightly less greasy. <laughs> He's only like a foot and a half taller. Yeah. <laughs> He's like that toothy henchman from a ton of movies. Also, the blob from Wolverine Origins. Uh, but yeah, you see that guy's face. You're like, oh, that guy. He's a piece of shit. Uh, that's always going to be his role. Uh, we also got Ashley. Was Joey Lord Adams too old for this role? Scott as Denny. 
Johnny, why am I in this? Knoxville as Ray. Also, welcome back to the pod. Thanks to Dukes of Hazard. Double time because he was also in The Last Stand with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is a far better action movie than this. Oh, no, I did not know that. He's in any of these movies for the comic relief. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. And he is pretty shitty in this movie, in my opinion. I I appreciate the role they tried to give him, but I don't think he pulled it off very well. He's literally only there to be over-expositionary and tell him, like, oh, what have you been up to? Let me go on to this 15-minute talk about my drug problem. And then later in the movie, it's like, I can help you get to the drug, guys, because I know drug culture. It's like, oh, so that was that's what that was for. Yeah. Literally, the rock goes to him, you got to take me to drug school or something like that. And he's like kind of twitchy. They wanted like, hey, he's a tweaker or something. And it's like, uh, he just, it just doesn't work. The performance is not great, but he was trying. I thought he was fine. I mean, I wouldn't, he was I wouldn't, I w- I wouldn't be as critical as you're being, but again, eh, whatever. I mean, the movie sucks. So the movie cares. sucks. It could have been the script. I'm just saying he was better at Dukes of Hazard. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and in her feature film debut we have kobe agent hill smolders as exotic beauty yeah about as exotic as a mayonnaise sandwich is that is that too much well she's not like she just looks like a regular you know lady riding around in a sports car but she's brunette yeah (laughs) (laughs) as we established in baywatch brunette means mm, she might be kind of goth or spicy True story. Neil McDonough is very religious, and he will not be in any scenes on screen kissing a woman that isn't his wife. So the exotic beauty was really just someone he was teaching how to drive. Is that a real thing? Yes. Wow. Yep. Documented. He's admitted as much. So he's essentially Mike Pence. Yeah. Okay. Totally calls his wife mother. Um, <laughs> IMDB describes this movie as follows. A former U.S. soldier returns to his hometown to find it overrun by crime and corruption, which prompts him to clean house. Yeah, okay. Serviceable. I'm, yeah, I mean, that's, it skips the middle part, but that's the beginning and the end. Yeah. Uh, what do you say, Mayor McCheese? Uh, more than one sentence, but mine is, The Rock, fresh off SummerSlam and looking the part, comes home to find his childhood town ravaged by drugs and whores. Punch em ups ensues. Johnny Knoxville and not Britney Spears are here, and the whole town learns to wait for it. Walk tall again. I like that. That really kind of pulls it on to, <laughs> together at the end. So I'll, I'll cheat as well. I've got two one liners here. Uh, the first one is Walking Tall is the lifetime movie version of First Blood. And yeah, I've got that, one more lifetime movie joke. Hold on. That, this is very, I mean, the Lifetime Lincolns are very true for this sort of movie. Yeah, and the courtroom scene for me is like where uh, like, it just feels so cheap. Like, what, what is going on here? This doesn't even feel like real life. Um, but the plot has to keep moving, so they there's a court thing. It happens. Okay, moving on. And the second one is Walking Tall is like a bad reboot of Con Air on a Lifetime movie budget. All right, so... What is your one-line description, Thunderous Wizard? Walking Tall is the action movie equivalent of when Arnold Schwarzenegger released Raw Deal after Commando. You had a great movie first, and then a really, really crappy one next. Yeah, I mean, that is very true. That is, you know, that's very surprising. 
Because I would have never guessed that Radio came out after Commando. It was certainly much harder to find because when I eventually did buy it years and years and years later, like it was way out of print. So would you say would you say that it was a raw deal? Nobody gives this guy a raw deal. Now that's a tagline <laughs> for a movie. The system gave him a raw deal. Nobody gives him a raw deal. Where's yeah, the tagline for Walking Tall? At first he crawled, but now he walks tall. Doesn't matter. Is there a movie poster? Here it is. Oh, no, I found oh, it. Oh, no. Is no. that really it? No, it says... Uh, oh, one that says, inspired by a true story. The movie poster and it says, one man will stand up for what's right. Here's my question. Did the real <laughs> sheriff... Uh, his name's like Pusser or something. Yeah, they, they uh, actually did he drop him in the opening of the movie. Did he also defend himself in court by just taking his shirt off? <laughs> Uh, that's how court used to work down well i i originally when when me and chumpy were team watching this i thought this was based in the south but it's apparently based in like oregon but that's how court used to work you just went in there and popped your shirt off and told your story yeah to your point there thunderous wizard yeah buford uh pusser uh, is the inspiration for the character in the 70s movie as well as this one uh basically he was just a larger than life uh, ex-marine that became like the youngest sheriff in Tennessee at some point. And uh, he was a pretty devout uh, religious guy from what I can tell and did not like all the boozing and uh, prostituting going on in his local area. So he staged effectively a one-man war against the Dixie Mafia and the state line mob. And he just became famous for basically going up against these uh, Southern gangs and you know, surviving several assassination attempts. I don't think the knife thing is part of his story, but he was shot and stabbed uh, multiple times. And eventually they did actually kill his wife. Um, and uh, that was kind of, you know, uh, what inspired some of this revenge stuff in the movies. So anyway, uh, let's get into the plot of this movie. Again, loosely based on what we just described. Yeah, this movie's plot is paper thin, and it shows. Chris Vaughn returns home after serving eight years in the military in an unnamed conflict. He finds his hometown uh, overrun with porn shops, pawn shops, and people dealing drugs in the streets. I think it's pretty telling that I, I guess he'd never been on leave because he just never came home for eight years. He had no idea his town was changing. Which I'm no expert, but I think you don't go out for more than like 18 months at a time. I usually don't let you go for more than a year, and it's like six months. An eight-year tour would be a lot. That'd be a record, I think. I'm pretty sure they send you home like at least every uh, 12 to to, uh, you know 18 months. So, But yeah, whatever. You both know I have a terrible memory, so you're going to have to fill in the blanks here. Is this essentially the um, alternate version in whatever the Christmas movie you made us watch there, Chumpzilla? He, yeah, he's definitely come back to Potterville. He left Buford Falls and came back to Potterville. That's it, yes. Potterville. It's, it's a wonderful life, yeah. That's actually a really good observation. I like that. But you know what? I will still say Potterville seemed a lot cooler than wherever these guys are at. They have tons of hooers, so... Yeah. Yeah, this town didn't seem that uh, that cool. Potterville, very cool. This town, he made his casino out of like balsa wood. 
So. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. But that is oh, that yeah. is a casino you go to when you go on an all inclusive in Mexico where there's a bunch of cheese dick games instead of like, you know, oh it's just blackjack and roulette. No, you can play whack a mole. <laughs> Five bucks a mole. Get up to the stage. It's the casino from Vegas Vacation where he's playing paper, rock, scissors, and like pick a guess a number. Yeah, seven, no, this six, is... seven. Damn. Half this casino is an actual casino, and the other half is a casino version of a Dave and Buster's. The only thing missing from that casino was the pick a duck pond game. Yeah, I mean, you know, from the county fair, you grab the duck and whatever. Well, one. It would fit because of how stupid some of the casino scenes are and what that casino looks like. Two, I would 100% go to this casino because I've been to turtle racing in Chicago and have bet money (laughs) on turtles racing. And that is right up my alley to be like, all right, I'm going to pick a duck. $5 down, this duck is an odd number. (laughs) You know what? I now want to bet on turtle racing. I know that was a thing. Go to Chicago. I'll tell you which bar to go to. Turtle racing is fantastic. The weirdest thing I've done in Chicago was go to a burlesque show, but uh, I feel like I missed out because I think turtle racing would have been cooler. But anyway, yes, much cooler. Okay, and uh, I'm gonna need a beer to keep going here. Uh, oh yeah, so you got the drug dealing stuff going on in the streets, and the lumber mill he had hoped to come home to work at has been shut down. Womp womp womp. We're introduced to his old buddies via a full contact football game. And I'll just add that no one in their 30s and their right mind is playing tackle football. And before this, real quick, I don't don't want to sidetrack us, but when when the sheriff pulls up to ask him what he's doing in town, like the second you see that sheriff, you're like, well, this dude's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, and it's instantly Rambo, too. That's, like, the most Rambo part of the whole movie, right? But, there. like, like it, just his face, his demeanor, like, they cast the perfect dude for you. Like, he could have been, like, volunteering weekends, and you still just see the way he acts, and you're like, yeah, this dude does not on the up and up. He's a bad guy. Yeah. How, how about him, like, faking pulling his gun? Like, gotcha. It's like, that's not really a funny joke. <laughs> Nope, that was not funny at all. Gotcha. And definitely, definitely not funny nowadays. Yeah, and I guess I'll ask this question real quickly because it does not come up later. Worst football scene in a movie: this or Wedding Crashers? You know what? I'm choosing this. I agree. At least the one in Wedding Crashers had some like character development involved. Although McDonough kind of seems like he can bring the heat. Yeah, that, that, he appears uh, to have a gun. That kick return, man, he's he's coming after it. Walking through the raindrops to the 10, the 5, touchdown. All the way in. Uh, the Rock was a college football player. Like I expect a little bit uh, better from such a silly scene. And it also, it's like, it's so over-the-top stupid because these guys are all supposed to be friends, except they're all playing against these guys they don't know who are like stooges for McDonough and he's like actively trying to physically hurt people by telling like, Oh, he's got a bad knee. It's like, isn't this a friendly game? And the fact that the rock is not just running all over every one of them, destroying them. Yeah. Like their best play was the quarterback draw with the rock. I mean, Knoxville gets gets clotheslined. This isn't, this isn't the movie, the longest yard. 
it was uh that was a scene it, it's a thing that happens in the movie but yeah that's i guess you know what i i feel bad i shouldn't judge it so harshly because it does give us some character development we get to find out that the blob guy is a goon and mcdonough's character comes off like an ass so okay that teaches us something but again visually it was clear um even before they did anything so the clearly asshole character that also just happens to be the guy running the new casino in town, which is taken over as the town's main employer, since the lumber mill closed, happens to be the Rock's old buddy from high school, I guess. Yes. He was apparently their quarterback. Whose parents ran the lumber mill, and when they gave it to him, he closed it down and opened up his house of ill repute. And in a very not Lex Luthor-approved fashion, he didn't like redeveloped the the lumberyard's land he just built a casino somewhere else i i don't really understand that angle but that's where the well, movie takes us because the lumberyard became a uh, dummy corporation for his meth business oh yeah. spoilers yeah spoilers yeah, okay we're getting, we're getting so, far in the plot but the lumberyard yeah. essentially gets shut down so he can use the buildings to make his drugs yeah we're going to, yeah, first Flocka. Uh, the Rock discovers the casino isn't on the level, uh, loaded dice, and causes a huge scene resulting in him being mutilated and left for dead. Again, that's not part of the Buford Pusser story, but we get it anyway. And of course, the shady sheriff we met earlier won't pursue his case. And that's when Chris Vaughn realizes that he's on his own in this personal war against the town's local scum. So shortly thereafter, his nephew ODs on meth, and The Rock decides to go after the drug dealing casino staff himself, not with a gun, but with a big-ass piece of cedar lumber. A huge fight scene ensues, and The Rock is arrested after totally not killing anyone. And he then wins his court case in some bizarre kind of kangaroo court because he defends himself (laughs) in a scene that makes absolutely no sense, uh, like none at all, and oh yeah, now he's going to run for sheriff. And, and yeah, to Mary McCheese's point, he wins his case because he basically opens up his shirt, shows everybody his giant zipper scar from his knife attack earlier. And he's like, look, if these people can do this to me, that means they can do it to you. And they're like, oh, yeah, I agree with that guy. I don't want to get yeah. stabbed. Everyone's only- starting to like whoop and cheer in the courtroom and the judge, is to- judge totally loses control. He's really bad at his job. And he's like, if this can happen to me, it can happen to anybody here. But I'm gonna change this town. I'm gonna to bring it back. And they're like, not guilty. Yeah, like one, I'm fairly sure when you get held in contempt, you're supposed to be immediately removed before you do any further damage to the actual court proceedings. And two, it could have only been more ludicrous if The Rock was like, and if you find me innocent, I'll give you each ten thousand dollars. So they have like, I don't know. 15 20 witnesses against the rock and they're all lined up and like oh this is bad and he just looks at his lord and he's like you're fired well and like there's a lot of weird there's a lot of weird glancing scenes in this where like um neil mcdonough is looking at his dudes he's looking at the rock's lawyer he's looking at the judge he's making creepy dude eyes and you're like all right we got it you're laying it on pretty thick and yeah, the testimony from the witnesses, they aren't particularly lying either. They're basically yeah. telling a, a a legitimate version of the truth, although with a, a, a lens of bias. 
Yeah, The Rock showed up with a 4 by 4 and started kicking everyone's ass unprovoked. Yeah, he... I mean, he, he beats the shit out of a couple of these dudes, like, badly. He he does break the one guy's arm. Like, he's committing felonious assault on a grand scale. Yeah, and now, granted, we know these guys are bad dudes. They're dealing drugs. But, yeah, it's it's clearly an example of what I would believe uh, almost every court in the United States would consider to be illegal vigilante justice. But, yeah, that's not the point. He shows his scars, becomes sympathetic to the jury, problem solved moving on listen in the, course, in, in the south northwest however you want to portray this that's how courts work this was this was definitely like northwest mississippi by way of washington state um yeah whatever so yeah, you, and, and, you essentially took tupelo and then gave it a bunch of pine trees i can only imagine this was vince mcmahon's contribution to the script well what if we have him defend himself genius <laughs> That's how yeah. courts work. <laughs> well, it's this whole sense of like, you know, he he's right because he's getting stuff done. Um, it is a vaguely, uh, not, I'm not going to go there. I'll stop. <clears throat> it's very pro wrestling. The good guy's allowed to beat the shit out of the bad guys yeah. because he's the good guy. And of course, we forgot to mention this, but when we got the early introduction of the clearly uh, not on the up and up sheriff, he also mentioned that it was an election month. So this this movie clearly happens within a, span of just a couple of weeks because the rock does in fact run and win the sheriff's position in the next election. And he of course now reunites with his high school sweetheart. Oh yeah. We forgot to mention there's a bunch of weird sleazy misogynistic stuff that goes on in this casino. Uh, they've got some Pete booths and like uh, on the floor, wet t-shirt contest. There's a whole like side plot where he met his ex high school sweetheart while she was doing her peep show show, whatever. So she quits and, and they have a, sex scene in the sheriff's department building well, I mean, anyway we're, we're, we're bouncing around here i think the point the big points we need to make is it goes from courtroom to rock being sheriff with absolutely no segue he just now has a truck with sheriff written on the side yeah. yep and yes. he pulls up he pulls up and the other sheriff's like these are really good dudes and he's like yeah you're all fired which you're all fired make makes sense he doesn't trust yeah. any of them he, and he, then we have the getting the band back together where he makes Knoxville and not Britney Spears sort of deputies or something. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we get that sex scene. And the reason I want to bring that up is that, uh, there's a reason red bra is listed as a plot keyword on the IMDB entry for this movie, because that's probably one of the more significant scenes in it. Uh, yeah, go figure. Anyway, the bad guys come after the rock with guns that would make Rambo blush and proceed to shoot up the entire sheriff's station. The rock wins the shootout and tracks M bison to his drug den at the old lumber mill, which is information he extracted from the, the, the toothy guy that tried to wreck his knee, uh, the blob. Anyway, this sets up an extremely nonsensical yet obligatory final showdown slash ax fight. Hey there, bullet to the head. Uh, at the old lumber yard, which is the drug den. The Rock wins. The casino is closed. The lumber mill reopens. And Johnny Knoxville is now legit deputy. The end. Unfortunately, in the sequel, McDonough is uh, let free because there's a mistrial. Because all the evidence The Rock obtained was done so without a search warrant. Uh, also in this scene where he fights McDonough. He dislocates his knee only to put it back in with seemingly no effect. 
That's how knees work, dude. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Oh you don't God. do that? I do that all the time. Oh, and let's not movie. let's let's not forget during the the uh the police station shoot 'em up, there's also three or four creepos that go to the rock's house and holds the family hostage, and then the dad finally like is like, Oh yeah, that gun I've been talking about the entire movie that I don't use and hate so much. I'm gonna get that back out. Yeah, I, I completely forgot yeah. to mention that, but listeners, there is a weird B plot about the Rock's character, Chris Vaughn. And he's, is he Chris Vaughn Jr.? Is his dad the senior? I can't remember if they have the same name or not. But anyway, I don't know if they the give Vaughn, his parents' names. Yeah, the Vaughn's family, they have some sort of reason they don't like to use guns, uh, but they have to in the end. Yes, he is Chris Vaughn Sr., according to the internet. Uh, and yeah. this links way back to earlier, but I remember it in our text messages yesterday. Uh when he comes home and him and his sister hug, it is not a brother sister hug. <laughs> I, I yeah, I thought that was his. I it is an was awkward like his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, it is an awkward. It is much awkward, like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, much like Mortal Kombat. I was confused. I, I assumed, without listening to the dialogue closely, that was his ex-wife and that was his son, not his sister and nephew. The but stupidest whatever. part of this. Is I know they're probably gonna their intent is to murder the family, yet they're all still wearing uh, leggings, leggings or, over uh, their faces. But yeah, there's only 15 the... people in this town. They know who you are. Well, he takes it off like to show that yeah, we're gonna murder you. It's like and, it's like and... they they know exactly who you are. The entire they... cast of this movie with extras is like 50. That's probably the the entire town. Yeah, it, 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 it's just one of those like extra action scenes just to give Johnny Knoxville an excuse to do the people's elbow. Also, I'm curious what happens to the local economy after he closes down its biggest moneymaker. Well, you know, and I just find that it's completely nonsensical to like, well, first off, closing a lumber mill and replacing it with a casino, not exactly a one-to-one. I'm not sure how that makes sense. But then just by getting rid of M. Bison, you can now reopen the lumber mill, like, so are they just artificially trying to like, – why not run both? I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is why not run both? Can a town not handle a lumber mill and a casino? Like how many <laughs> of the strippers and wet T-shirt girls were working in the lumber mill? Listen, I'm listen, really confused here. Chumzilla, there's only so much wood you can have in one town. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. I'm calling Epiphany to the main stage. Epiphany to the main stage. <laughs> All right. Anyway – uh, let's get closer to our break because this is hurting my brain. Let's give this movie oh, wait a minute. our what if ratings. Started, what if they started giving the strippers wood names? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Maple. <laughs> I'd like to... Gentlemen, please turn your attention to Poplar. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, it's a very yeah. niche town. They have two things going for them. Yeah, a casino strippers. titty bar and a wood wood. Mill. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to the movie rating here from one to six beers. Gentlemen, I'll let you go first. Thunderous Wizard, how would you rate this movie? This is pretty easy. This is four pain beers. It's very short. So really it should be three. But the courtroom scene is so bad, it's a two beer scene. You have to chug one when he's giving his whole little walking tall spiel. It's it's that bad. I would argue that you have to finish your beer when he fires his attorney. You're fired. Finish your beer. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, you might also need two for the football scene, so it could be as many as five beers. 
I gave it three because it's so short and you're already chugging to try to even comprehend what the hell's going on as they use various movie elements. Instead of the volleyball scene, you get the football scene. The courtroom is incredibly dumb. But at the same time, you get to spend this whole movie watching super young rock learn how to act. And you're like, oh, I, I like the dude. He has so much charisma. I hope he does really well. I mean, this is how you're thinking if you're watching it back in 2004, not now. Um, that I like, I can't, I can't go beyond three just because it's so short and it's, it's not, it's not that painful. Like, it's bad, but it's not so bad that I was. Most of the texting I was doing with Chumzilla during this was jokes about how dumb it was and not how pissed I was that we were watching it. Well, I will give you this point, Mary McCheese. I do think this movie works as a proof of concept that The Rock can play the hero in an action movie, but that's not enough to keep it from being a four-beer movie for me. Yeah, the length really does help um, because it ends just before I get really mad at it for wasting my time. And it is painfully dumb, and none of the action is particularly interesting. It might be one of the most meh movies I've ever seen. So, yeah, four beers, and I have to stop thinking about it right now. I would agree with that. before it turns into, like, six. Um, I'll agree. It, it, it is super meh. But, it, it, but it, it's not, like, it's not, it doesn't make me, like, have a super raw emotional reaction where I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. Right. It's just like, oh, I just... Kind of wasted an hour and 15 minutes of my time. Yeah. Well, whatever. The, we'll the runtime really helps it for sure. Oh, no, yeah. No, really if, it, does if, help it. if it was an hour and a half, this thing is approaching five beers. Yeah. Um, yeah you know what? There's got to be a two hour cut of Walking Tall somewhere. Let's see it. No. Um, let's I see the break cut. All right. Well, after all that lumber swinging and relaxed fit boot cut jean swaggering, I need a break and another pog IPA. But before we return for our general impressions of Walking Tall, here's a message from the styling, profiling, limousine-riding, IPA-trying, kiss-dealing, sour-and-stout-dealing son-of-a-guns over at the Hop Nation USA podcast. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back, folks, to our 112th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops brought to you by Wobam Entertainment. Again, this is our third entry in our Hops and Rock Bottom Flops series, and we're talking about 2004's Walking Tall. We've covered the plot, and now it's time to dive into our general impressions. I mean, we've already kind of covered some of this. The movie's not that great. Um, It's a real basic boilerplate action movie starring an up-and-coming, big-bodied former professional wrestler, or current professional wrestler in this case. Um, I'll just jump right into my kind of open-ended questions here. I mean, would you guys recommend watching this movie? Mm, no. It, mm. And let me let me reframe that because I think it's probably a no from all of us. But is this even considered like a 
critical must-see part of the Rocks catalog. If you're like a Rock completist, do you need to watch this movie? No. no. I, I don't think yeah. you need to watch it to see the Rocks whole catalog. If it was back in, what was this, 2004? Is that what we said? Yeah. If it was, if it was 2005 and this is rolling on, you know, well, their Netflix doesn't exist. Uh, you know, if this is rolling on Cinemax or HBO, I'd watch it, but with like a passing interest, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to seek it out. I'm not going to go find it. Yeah. And I'm probably not afterwards. I'm not going to be like, Oh man, you guys got to go see walking tall. That movie is the shit. Yeah. Outside of the rundown, which came out the year before this, I don't know if there's any movie you have to see of his filmography prior to fast five. I mean, I mean if you want to see big gun shooting, you watch faster. Which now that I remember, I think it ends on a beach. I don't, I, yeah. I don't entirely remember the plot, but Fast Five is the one that I remember where he really kind of comes into being superstar rock. Yeah, I, I just the problem I have with this movie is none of the action is memorable. Like, there's nothing unique to it, and it's PG thirteen. I forgot to mention that earlier, so well, it's I mean, pretty tame. He beats up people with a stick, but that's Hacksaw Jim yeah. Duggan's thing. So. Outside of the second casino fight where he shows up because his uh, nephew's OD'd on meth, which is a pretty dark chapter of the movie because the kid's like 10. Yeah, uh, that's way messed up. Uh, well, and earlier he's like, I saw you smoking pot. He's like, I didn't try it at all. And then now he's doing meth. That was the gateway drug, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, that second casino fight's pretty cool. Uh, the rest of the action is universally bad. Uh, not well shot. The first casino fight is all over the place. Uh, the thing at the sheriff's department is just four guys standing outside unleashing automatic weapons into a wall. It's, it's like the bad version of the jungle scene in The Predator where they just fire wildly into the jungle. Like, yeah. At least that... Literally least, nobody is sweating and breathing heavily going, I'm going to have me some fun. Nope. Yeah. Nobody. There's so much going on in that predator scene, and you get none of that going on in this scene. It's just these yokels blowing up a yeah. building. And again, it doesn't make any sense because, yeah, you can be out in the jungle you know, as a black ops paramilitary group going after an alien effectively, and you guys can just dump a ton of lead into the jungle with no repercussions. These guys are ex-law enforcement, and they're like literally destroying a building with machine guns. I think somebody might notice that. And no one, anyway. and none of them say, "I'm going to shoot" as they're shooting. No, like, I guess, and I mentioned this earlier, but this is my point: that the action in this movie does not like make sense for the setting. Like it, it just kind of gets, it kind of jumps the shark almost. Now you don't realize it when you're watching it, but afterwards you're like, "Wait a minute, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this rural Pacific Northwest setting." But anyway. I, yeah, I understand, like, laws and, like, actual rules don't matter within this The Walking Tall universe. But when you have ex-sheriffs blowing up the, the, the sheriff's department, uh, that's when the feds start asking questions. And your oh. whole little drug uh, out, you know, outfit is in a lot of trouble. Well, and the fact that the guns they're using are clearly illegal machine guns. Th those are not stuff you're picking up at Cabela's. That's what I'm trying to say. Did this movie deserve to flop? I'll go first on this one. Uh, yeah, 
for the reasons I've just described. The plot doesn't make a ton of sense. The action seems absurd for the setting. And it's basically like somebody said, let's make a remake of Raw Deal uh, with like a plot from First Blood, but like way dumber. I mean, I don't think we need to extrapolate on it. Yeah, it deserved a lot. Yeah, I just don't understand how this cost $46 million. There's like two sets in the entire movie. Uh, they, blow, so they, they break and blow some shit up, so that costs three, three to $4 million. I don't know where the rest was. I just don't know where the money <laughs> Vince, went. Vince yeah. McMahon was padding his pockets. Yeah, Vince got paid, that's for sure. Um, does any of the action work in this movie? I mentioned this earlier. Like for me, I thought it was kind of fun to see like Johnny Knoxville drop the elbow, you know, the people's elbow, excuse me. But like for the most part, outside of that second casino fight scene that the Thunderous Wizard praised, not really. It was cool to see The Rock kick ass for like five minutes, but that yeah. was like the highlight of the movie. No, I mean, we just talked about it. The second casino fight scene was the only decent fight scene, if you will. The rest of it, either didn't work or has already been done better at this point. It was all very generic. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing you saw here that was like cool or unique. It was just your standard, like guys getting thrown through windows, guys getting thrown through tables, you know, bottles getting smashed, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I mentioned that Johnny Knoxville people's elbow thing. Cause yeah, okay. It's, it's a neat little nod in the movie or whatever, but how bad was the shotgun fight before that? That was painful. That, I completely blocked that from my memory. <clears throat> but when the bad guys have come back to Chris Vaughn Jr.'s house to hold the family hostage, Johnny Knoxville gets into like a close range shotgun battle with one of the bad dudes. And it's a bad action scene. It's not good at all. I, th- I think one of the lines in that is literally, you stab me with a potato peeler. Yes, that is <laughs> one of the lines. Uh, <laughs> that happens. It's like... But the stupid thing is it's supposed to be bad. But then it's also like, well, I get Knoxville is sort of a goof and not good at this. But did Neil McDonough purposefully hire somebody who's really bad at it? Yeah. Effectively, you're in this scene to see how inept Knoxville is with a firearm. But just out of pure coincidence, he's facing off against his opposite number in terms of firearm skill. And they both suck at it. Yeah, I just did, did not get that. It's like, oh, they're both no. spazzes. But why Great, yeah. is the assassin yeah. a spaz? So we're now to Mayor McCheese's favorite question. Where did this movie go wrong and how would you fix it? I don't know if I'm going to really weigh in on where it went wrong. What I want to ask the panel, if you will, is what happens if instead of The Rock, this movie is redone and Let's assume that there's some tweaks with the story, but it's Stone Cold, Steve Austin. Uh, why doesn't Stone Cold play Kevin Durant's character? I mean, that would also work. Then you're starting to set the rock up as a good guy. Yeah, if I'm using my McMahon sway, I'm just putting all kinds of wrestlers in here. Like, Mankind is the old sheriff but uh, I, I in just costume. Feel, I... I feel like where's the is... big boss man in this? I think the big Ooh, boss man should have had a role yeah. in this. Is the is the corrupt sheriff? I feel like this is the kind of movie that would work for Stone Cold Steve Austin because he can play that fine line of like 
they're gonna have to rewrite his backstory like he's not like super clean-cut good guy but he is always like out for the 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 best people's interest to get vengeance kind of thing and i don't know if that fits the rock at this point i just i feel like if you threw stone cold in this movie i don't know if it improves the dynamic but i'd be very interested to see how that all plays out and just for the record the big boss man would have been available for this movie he passed away in September of 2004. That's a bummer. He would have been alive for filming. We could have used him. The big boss man w- would be great in this movie. But let me throw a wrestling storyline at you. There's one time that he dug up the big show's dad and dragged him behind a truck. I feel like that could have been part of this movie. Like Chris Vaughn's dad died in a mill accident. And then the big boss man steals the casket and takes it back to the casino. So so do we think the overall impression that it's kind of brewing in my brain but hasn't fully come to fruition is if we get if we just give Vince McMahon full boat control to say use every character from the WWE in this movie and we'll work around it we get a better movie. 100%. There's there's so many classic if this is just a wwe storyline it works better than what they cooked up for this thing well then who then who plays the shady casino over there it's got to be shane mcmahon right it can be shane i think it's, i think well, we're, it's got to be i shane. think we're it's right with shane. shane yeah million dollar man i mean yeah and irs could obviously be his numbers guy <laughs> can we get virgil involved somehow of course no as about say we need someone to play the aggressive creepo who slashes up the rock I don't know if that would be IRS I mean, or... The no. Undertaker's begging for a spot in this thing. So is Kane, yeah. obviously. I mean, that casino would yeah. be run by a wall of power. <laughs> I'm just... Yeah, there's a lot of things that could have happened. But, you know, if you kick in Stone Cold's music, the breaking glass, as he storms into the casino that second time, it's like, oh, shit. He's about <laughs> to open a can of whoop-ass. <laughs> going down. I think I've fine-tuned my thoughts. I think if we give McMahon full control to only shoot this movie with WWE characters, then we would get the best movie we've ever seen of the Walking Tall property. (laughs) It would be, I mean, it would be absolutely ridiculous, and it's going to make no money, but I'm 100% in for that recut of this. Oh, right on. So... Just to round out our suggestions here, mine would be to dump the awful script and just go with an original IP to make something more interesting. I think they were held back by some of the plot elements they tried to keep from the the 70s version. Uh, And and in that sense, the movie was just too hokey, even for 2004. You know, at times it feels like a bad after school special with some PG-13 action sprinkled in. Which is not a great combo in uh, Uncle Chumpy's uh, opinion here. And now I'll ask my favorite question. Did this movie achieve what it set out to do? And oddly enough, I'm going to say yes. Because this was, at its core, a boilerplate action movie for The Rock to cut his teeth on. And again, as a proof of concept, it proved that he could be the good guy in a movie. And it could kind of work. And... It was a means to an end, and it was never going to be a blockbuster, but I think it showed Hollywood what The Rock could do. Do you guys agree? I mean, if that's what it's setting out to do and not setting out to make money, then yeah, it gave The Rock some space to grow. If 
we're looking at it from the studio side and the, the goal was to make money, then no, it did not set out to yeah. achieve what it was supposed to do. And I think that's a very fair point, McCheese, that, yeah, I mean, what's the point of any of these movies? What are they trying to do? They're all trying to make money. But if you're Vince McMahon and you're in the long game, yeah, I, I think this this established The Rock as, hey, you guys can do something with this guy. Maybe Vince's whole plan was to just have The Rock make shitty movies so his career would go belly up and he'd have to come back to wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, you know what? That's that's a good angle. I like that. That's very McMahon. But, yeah, no. Uh, it succeeds in one way. It, it, for, it's further proof The Rock is going to be some sort of thing. He's he's fine in this movie. This movie's got a bad script. Uh, McDonough does McDonough things, but like he doesn't get like kicked off the screen, like blown off the screen by him. Um, so no, yeah, but yeah, it didn't make the rock holds his own. That's a problem. I think that's a very good observation, and in the line with my opinion here, the rock managed to hold his own with a bunch of legit actors and veteran character actors and managed to pull off some of the action stuff. Like again, as a proof of concept, this works. And if you're in it for the long game, this is the first step. Well, all right, listener, we need to take a break and freshen up our brews before heading into the competitive portion of the pod. Up next is the big stick trivia challenge. Before we do that, Here's a message from our big-time wrestling brethren over at the Double Turn Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment, it's finally time for the Big Stick Trivia Challenge. Tonight's contest is the standard format. Five questions, multiple choice, and tonight, you're playing for the Rock's sweaty knee brace. Tonight's chime-in phrases are red bra, along with the pod standards, I'm gonna shoot, and tarts and farts. Gentlemen, are you ready? I'm gonna shoot! I'm walking tall in my bootcut jeans. Let's go. And those are some sexy ass bootcut jeans. He does got them apple bun jeans, jeans, boots with the fur. I'm working. Right. I'm I... working the second shift on the wet t-shirt uh, cannon. So the wet t-shirt whack-a-mole. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, I think our contestants are ready. So let's get on with it, folks. Here is question number one. The director wanted to update the pusser stick. Okay, that sounds weird. Uh, by turning it into what kind of sporting equipment? Was it A, a cricket bat? B, a hockey stick? C, a baseball bat? Or D, a lacrosse stick? Ooh, uh, I'm going to shoot my walking tall two-by-four. Um 
I'm pretty sure it's a four by four for the record, but yeah. that chime in it, goes it's to definitely you, a four by four. T dub, what is your answer? I'm gonna say cricket bat. That would be incorrect. Mary McCheese, can you steal? Okay, so I have a baseball bat, a lacrosse stick, and what's the other one? Hockey stick. Well, I don't want to say baseball bat because that's kind of what they did. So I'm going to go with lacrosse stick. That is also incorrect. Mm. It was a baseball bat, but the producers rejected the idea. And uh, they said, "Uh, can we just compromise? And and the director said, well, what if I put a handle on it? I'm like, well, that's fine. You, you put the handle on it, wrap some leather around it. That's fine. Okay. See, um, that's that's what threw me off because it essentially is just a comically large baseball bat. I believe it starts off as the four by four post, but then between the second casino fight and him becoming the sheriff, it appears as though he fashions one into a handle and wraps it in leather. But it comes off as like, and T Dubs will remember this from when we were kids. It's almost like a skinny version of a Mongo bat where one yes. end is stupidly big and the other end is stupidly small. And you're like, all right, that's something. And just for the record, because we haven't really mentioned it, but yes, uh, Buford Pusser did carry around his Pusser sticks, which were basically big hickory clubs. So he liked to walk around with the beaten stick. Um, and Nuts. opinions on that guy vary. But anyway... It's got to be real awkward when you're trying to commit a crime and he's running after you going, I'm going to get you with my pusser stick. <laughs> yeah, prison rules. Okay, anyway, uh, <laughs> the score is zero to zero, and we are now on question number two. The Rock's character is based on real-life Tennessee Sheriff, Buford Pusser, who just happened to also be a professional wrestler in his younger days. What was Pusser's ring nickname? Was he A... The big stick. B, the lumberjack. C, the bull. Or D, the hickory bear. I'm going to shoot. Well, I'm going to give that to Mary McCheese. How can I not pick the big stick? That would be the seemingly obvious answer, but I'm afraid it's incorrect. I'm fine with it being incorrect, but I have to pick it. That's very, very fair. For obvious reasons. Yeah, well, Thunderous Wizard? Uh, I'm I'm going to be very disappointed if it's not the Hickory Bear. <laughs> that is also disappointing, uh, and perhaps the, the, the second most logical answer, but no, he no, was in it's fact not, it's Buford not the, the Bull. It's not the Hickory Bear. Which I also think it was entertaining uh, for the fact that wasn't the rock at one point referred to as the something bowl, the Burma bowl or something like the that. The Brahma bowl. Brahma bowl, whatever. I, I, w- I will say, Chumpy, you're coming up with some pretty good nicknames for sheriffs. I mean, between between the big stick and the other one, those are uh, those are solid nicknames. I will freely admit those took me entirely too long to come up with, but I am proud of them (laughs) nonetheless. Okay. Hey, we're still tied at zero to zero as we come into question number three. Red bra chick Denny, a.k.a. Ashley Scott, had a role in a mid-2000s Ryan Reynolds vehicle. Which movie was it? Was it A, Waiting? Was it B, Just Friends? Was it C, Smoke and Aces, or was it D, Blade Trinity? Farts and Tarts. That goes to the Thunderous Wizard. It's just friends. 
It is just friends. And in case you were wondering, McCheese, it's basically a gender swapped shallow how. I can't imagine it was very good. Oh no! I think, no. I think it's very good. It's very good. Uh, smart, the Kristen smart smarts one. In it, yeah. Kristen smarts uh, in it. Yeah, not 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 uh, Kristen Bell. Kristen smart. It is fantastic, and also uh, pod favorite Chris Klein, aka Charlie Nash, is in it. Yes, yes, I saw that too. I love Just Friends. Wow, I've never seen it. I might have to check that out. Um, Question number four with the Thunderous Wizard in the lead by one point. How long did Johnny Knoxville need to use a catheter after severely injuring his penis performing a stunt in a tribute to Evil Knievel in 2008? Was it A, six months? Was it B, 18 months? Was it C, two years? Or D, still to this day? Tarts and farts. Mary McCheese. Two years. That is correct. In a recent interview, Johnny Knoxville revealed that after that injury, he had to use a catheter, I think twice a day, for two years until his penis fully healed. I I I don't even I don't even want to know. It just sounds horrible. I think we read the same article and he wasn't actually supposed to do anything that day. He just came to site because yeah. all these dudes just hang out with each other. And that's I mean when I recommended CKY2K back in those old days, you'll see these dudes just showed up like, hey, let's hang out. And then all of a sudden they started doing dumbass stunts. And that's what they made their millions on. Um, but yeah, he showed up and they were like, oh, yeah, we're trying to riff on Evil Knievel. And he's like, oh, that's my favorite. I'm going to try a backflip on a motorbike. And he didn't know how to ride a motorbike. Uh, yeah. By the way, that, that article is in GQ. Uh, and there's a lot of crazy stuff in there, including... How many concussions he got filming Action Park and the terrible concussion apparently he got filming Jackass 4. Dude's, dude's insane. Uh, also, I wanted to correct myself. It's Amy Smart. Not yes. Just Amy Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good, good correction. I hate it when we don't catch that stuff. <sighs> Thank you for that, Thunderous Wizard. So I, I believe now we're tied. We're tied one to one. So here we go, guys. Question number five. Is this the last question? Yeah, for all the marbles. Let's do this, T-Dubs. Johnny Knoxville appeared in the early 2000s, The Andy Dick Show. Show of hands here. Who remembers if that was a thing? Nope. Okay, good. Uh, This is radio, folks, but the Thunderous Wizard did raise his hand. So, yes, Johnny Knoxville apparently appeared on The Andy Dick Show. As what character? Was he a wannabe Andy Dick? B, evil Andy Dick. C, sober Andy Dick. Or D, Andy Dick's lover. Ooh, uh, farts and tarts. This is Thunderous just, wizard for this the is win? just a guess. I'm just going to go with evil Andy Dick. B, evil Andy Dick is incorrect. Oh, man. Mayor McCheese, can you steal for the win? Would you like your remaining answers? No. I'm again. This is a guess. I'm going to go with Andy Dick's lover. Mm, that probably would have been funnier, but he was actually cast as a wannabe Andy Dick. Oh, lame. So you guys will have to split the rocks. Knee brace. Enjoy well, it. T W comes T-W. unwashed with fresh, original, authentic rock sweat. So enjoy that. So, 
It would fit me better because I have bigger legs, but Thunderous Wizard needs it more since he decided in some idiotic move to start playing rugby again in his late 30s. I, I, uh, at least I had no evil casino owner, former friend of mine, sending people out to try and purposefully injure me, so I'm okay. Nah, we yet. don't know. We don't know yet. Give it time. Well, I'm glad that Thunderous Wizard will at least get to enjoy a portion of that knee brace since we all know he needs it so badly in his rugby endeavors. But that brings tonight's episode to a close. And now we have come to our recommendations. Um, you know what? I'm just going to jump in here real quick and, and steal one of the answers uh, from the trivia challenge here and say that, you know what? Uh, watch the movie Waiting. It's actually a surprisingly funny mid-aughts comedy. I think it flew under the radar a bit because Ryan Reynolds wasn't a huge star, but it's got uh, Anna Ferris in it. That movie's great. It's great. Yeah, it's got Luis Guzman's in it. Um, Justin Long's pretty funny in it. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's a a couple other character uh, actors slash comedic actors in it. Yeah, Um, it, it, it became a random throwaway comedy that shouldn't have been because it's actually very good. Yeah, and if you've ever worked in a restaurant, which which I did in college, well, we all did. We all worked at restaurants in college briefly. Um, it's a pretty funny movie, and it's one of those comedies where it's kind of like the office space of working at Applebee's. Um, yeah. And I may have recommended it before, but because we don't have a Wikipedia page, my memory is shot. I'm going to recommend it again because it's pretty freaking funny, um, and it's a cop-out. So, gentlemen, I'll open the floor. McCheese, T-dubs, what you say? <laughs> I'm going to, so I've, I've done a lot of documentaries. I'm going to deviate. I'm going to go with a rock movie that we, we had talked about doing, but we're not going to do because I think it didn't make the threshold. Um, and it's not any of the fast movies, which I mean, I recommend all of those from tip to tail. Uh, go watch pain and gain. I actually really liked pain and gain with Marky Mark and the rock and, uh, God damn it. What's his name from, um, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Yeah. The Falcon, bro. Yeah. I'm sorry, well, Captain America. Captain America. Come I don't on. I don't watch a lot of MCU shit. So I really did like Pain and Gain. I think I've only seen it once or twice. I haven't rewatched it since to refresh my memory, but I'm gonna recommend that one because it's still early in the Rock's career before he became super duper star. And uh I remember it being really good. So that's my recommendation for for Rock Month. That works. Hey, and can I ask a question of you, Thunderous Wizard? Would you consider that to be Michael Bay's best movie after uh, Pearl Harbor? Well, The Rock. The Rock is probably his best movie, but Pearl Harbor is number one. Number one. Yeah. Well, one, you're away. saying you're saying that wrong. It's The Rock. The Rock. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I mean, The Rock's it, it's a classic action '90s action. Movie. Yeah. It might not, I mean, it, it's up in the running with classic all-time action movies, but it's got that unique like 90s vibe to it and how how michael bay managed to lock down sean connery is beyond me because they are from two different worlds you know and listeners too i just want to say right now what we're really missing is captain cash doing the sean connery accent but slowly slipping into jimmy stewart yeah i'm kind of sad that's out of here because one thing i've learned from all these pods is that by the end of it all of his accents slowly drift into jimmy stewart territory Clint Eastwood, Sean Connery, doesn't matter. It all goes straight up J-Stew. Anyway, <clears throat> what you got for us, T-Dubs? So here's the good news. Uh, Just Friends, which was part of the quiz. Anna Ferris also in that. But 
my recommendation is a much better action movie about a cop trying to clean the streets of his uh, t- city. It's Robo Jackie cop. Chan's Police Story. It's a 1986 okay. film. He directed it's a Chinese film, so you have to read subtitles. Uh, the plot is awful. Uh, a lot of the humor in it is awful. It's very 80s, but the action is vintage Jackie Chan. And there's some really cool stunts in there. And of course, if you know Jackie Chan, he does all his own stunts. There's some really wild ones. So that's my recommendation. It's on HBO Max. Uh, it's a great Jackie Chan movie. I, I thought for sure you were going straight Copland right there. I was going for Robocop. Uh, yeah. Why didn't The Rock shoot off McDonough's dick is the, is the question. Yeah. <laughs> so, so correct me if I'm wrong here, Thunderous Wizard, but wasn't Police Story... Uh, the movie that sort of put Jackie Chan on the Hollywood map. I think they saw a stunt work, and that's kind of what brought him over to to the Western studios. I don't think so, because he'd already been in a couple of American productions. He's an extra in Enter the Dragon. He's in this movie called Battle Creek Brawl. He's in both Cannonball Runs. Uh, no so kidding. Might have been The Legend of Drunken Master that okay. really cemented it, but... Obviously, I mean, they wanted him for Big Trouble, which we forgot to bring up during that pod, but uh, Carpenter wanted him to be Wang Chi. Uh, And I thought that was based on Police Story, but I could be wrong. So the biggest thing you'll notice when you watch Police Story is, obviously American action movies rip off foreign productions constantly, but there's a scene in the movie where he stands in front of an oncoming bus, reloads his six-shooter, the bus stops and the criminals go flying out the windshield. And it's like, holy shit. Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash just totally ripped that right off. Yeah. Uh, it's like the same exact scene. Uh, except wow. it's a lot cooler in Police Story because he's hanging from the bus for like 10 minutes and doing all kinds of crazy stunts. So, Yeah. And there were several sequels to that too, right? Yeah, there's a few Police Story movies. Yeah, right on. Well, I think that now officially brings the pod almost to an end and we can talk about what comes up next week. So thank you listeners for joining us and don't forget you can find this pod anywhere you find your finer podcasts and you can follow us on the socials at hops and bo flops. You can always find the thunderous wizard on Twitter at writer TLK and you can always find the absent captain cash on Twitter and most of your social medias at C-A-P-T-C-S-H. And, of course, you can find the Mayor McCheese on Twitter at H-B-O-F McCheese. And you can find me, your old Uncle Chumpzilla, on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. As always, please reach out and touch me. (sighs) Next week's pod is our fourth and final installment in our Hops and Rock Bottom Flop series. We're going to do the Thunderous Wizard-approved the Rundown. Easily the best early rock movie. And we'll be joined by our buddies from The Double Turn, J-Man and Boss Ross, because they specifically requested if we did The Rock to do The Rundown. I said, well, it's a flop. It's awesome. Heck yeah. So that's it, folks. That's a wrap. Everybody, take care. Be safe. And we'll see you on the flip side. And watch the music video for Piledriver. Driver.